The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Permitting reform is part of the IRA, and I intend to add it to the CR. These pipeline programs require the use of eminent domain, so you are taking people's property. They feel that the bill is a skinny version. Nobody's actually saying, I'm going to hold this thing up. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. Oh, wow. To see it so beautifully concluded today was just an incredible feeling. And we have an Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Three days until the government's set to run out of money and no bill yet. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as the clock ticks on legislation to fund operations and debate bogged down by Senator Joe Manchin's energy permitting bill. We're going to pinpoint which items will make the cut. We saw the text today. But it will look different by the time it finally gets through the grinder. Maya McGinnis of the Committee for a Responsible Budget is with us in just a moment. Later, we introduce you to Bloomberg's new election denier tracker. Joined by Bloomberg's national politics reporter Ryan Teague Beckwith to identify which states in this midterm election cycle are most vulnerable to political election interference, an important conversation you won't want to miss. Our signature panel is here to dive even deeper. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. Senator Joe Manchin makes a Hail Mary pass on his energy permitting bill that's upset the left and the right somehow as as part of a stopgap funding bill that needs to be figured out by Friday. We've told you about this. They're going through the motions here, going through the votes with This apparently set to fail. We're going to find out shortly on that. Bloomberg reporting that Manchin has toned down his energy bill ahead of this vote, axing proposed changes to an environmental law that would make it harder for states to block the construction of pipelines. This is kind of a last minute sweetener that does not appear to be changing uh, the vote count too much here. Of course, Chuck Schumer, we've got to remember this was part of a deal, right? The Inflation Reduction Act or the IRA, as the wonks call it. Uh, was worked out behind closed doors between Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer, the majority leader. Part of that deal was this, that this permitting bill gets done and also brings a pipeline to West Virginia. But the votes just aren't there. uh, And Joe Manchin thinks it's political retribution. This was Chuck Schumer when he was asked about it at a briefing just a couple of days ago. Permitting reform is part of the IRA and I intend to add it to the CR and get it done. Yes. Are there any circumstances whatsoever that that could be taken out of the CR? You I told you. Two, mm. But you said that for two weeks. I'm just getting I'm clear. saying I'll say it for two weeks in one day. Yeah. Next. Okay. And at a couple more days, and it doesn't look like it's going to be in there for much longer. It's not only Republicans who are saying no to this. And of course, Joe Manchin, as we've told you, needs 10 to make this happen, at least 10. Because some Democrats are not on board. Listen to Senator Tim Kaine today, who was speaking passionately against this idea, particularly because of the pipeline that would not only go through West Virginia, but his own state of Virginia. These pipeline programs 
require the use of eminent domain. So you are taking people's property to build these pipeline projects. And if the government is going to take people's property, we ought to have a process that's fair. Okay. Enter the minority leader, Mitch McConnell, for the Republican side of this, going so far as to call it a poison pill. The poison pill is a phony attempt to address an important topic of permitting reform. It is much too difficult to build things in America and unleash American energy. Liberal regulations and red tape are a huge, huge part of the problem. That's why Republicans are the leaders on this issue. That's why my colleague, Senator Capito, has introduced a strong, robust package that would actually move the ball forward. What our Democratic colleagues have produced is a phony fig leaf that would actually set back the cause of real permitting reform. Well, I've got news for you. A poison pill or a fig leaf, it's not going to matter because it just came out. We are bringing you the first draft of history, of course, every day on Sound On with headlines on the terminal. Chuck Schumer saying on the floor he's agreed to take the Manchin bill out of the stopgap. And this follows word from Manchin himself. Released the following statement just before this happened. It is unfortunate that members of the Senate are allowing politics to put energy security of our nation at risk. He refers to Vladimir Putin continuing to weaponize energy and says, I've asked because we are on the brink of a government shutdown over politics. I've asked Majority Leader Schumer to remove the permitting language from the CR we vote on this evening. So do they just grease the skids? We bring in Maya McGinnis. What timing? With the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Maya, here we are. It changed while you were dialing the phone. The permitting bill is not going to be in the final version. Is the rest going to stay in? So, yeah, that's some breaking news. Um, the rest of what's in the CR, I think they, they now know what's going to be passable in the CR, right? And so I think they're not going to have a problem passing that. Um, and they will probably have some aid in there for Ukraine. Yep. Um, but it's going to be pretty simple. This does not mean there's not going to be a showdown in mid-December. Because, remember, this only gets us through well, December yeah. 16th. It, it and guarantees one, doesn't all it? All of these will reemerge. Absolutely. I mean, it was always going to play out that way, that we don't get anything done until the last minute. And that's mm-hmm. when everything gets thrown in. Um, but it is going to be high stakes because Senator Manchin felt that he had a real agreement on this permitting. And I believe he believed that Republicans who did support the notion of permitting reform thought this was their best chance of getting something done. And so he was pretty optimistic not that long ago. And he is going to be frustrated. I have no doubt that it's had to be pulled at this time. Congressman Chuck Fleischman was on with us uh, yesterday at this time, Republican from Tennessee, who made it clear that a similar bill may be a little more broad, uh, maybe a little more fossil fuel friendly. Uh, with a different name on it, would get Republican support. Do they just roll up their own version after the midterms? Uh, they may, but then they're not going to have the Democratic support. So the question And Joe Manchin's much- not going to vote for it, right? Well, I, I'm not sure about that. Joe Manchin hmm. is one of the least partisan members there are. So this is obviously politics, right? We're right before November. This is a bill that a lot of Republicans are interested in. They should generally be supporting as much as they can get. But it will be a political win that they presumably don't want to uh, afford hmm. to Democrats. But I don't see how it's going to 
the likelihood of it passing after the midterms is much more likely. It, it, unless, who knows all the different pieces that go into a December end of the year yeah. uh, catch-all. Uh, the one thing I know is it's going to be expensive and it's not going to be paid for, and that's what makes me my heart leap when I think about what a mess the end of the end of Ugh. the year bill in December could be. And the one other thing I'd like to just throw out. We are doing all of this because Congress never passed a budget this year. Once again, Congress is ending a fiscal year, never having passed the budget. And that should be something that everybody is more frustrated about. It is ridiculous. It seemed like we were on the way to doing that at one point, but maybe I had a weird dream, uh, Maya. But (laughs) to talk about what else is in this bill, to your point, Ukraine funding is $12 billion. Uh, There's also money uh, for... Uh, uh, cleaning up after storms, resilience, and so forth. With that in mind, and the the, the hurricane passing, of course, everyone is is good with that. But the the twenty two billion dollars in COVID funding that the president requested uh, did not get included, nor did the four and a half billion for monkeypox cases. We've had experts tell us that there is another likely surge coming in the summer, likely a new strain, and this administration, Maya, will be blamed when the tests. And the vaccines are not available. Well, that is that is certainly true. Um, I think the argument is that there's been so much money pumped into the economy for various pandemic measures, and some yep. of it is still unspent. That there is the argument you could repurpose this or use these things differently. Now, sure. a lot of that money has already been authorized or promised, so it's not as though we're swimming in dollars ready to move to these things. But mm-hmm. I think it's a fair point that it's not clear new dollars are needed yet. It's more about the actual operations of getting getting all of these things organized and out into the economy. It didn't help that Joe Manchin or forgive me, Joe Biden said on 60 Minutes the pandemic was over. A lot of well, Republicans are pointing to that as, as a reason to take it out. There's some unfortunate cross-messaging. Absolutely. That was at odds with a lot of the policies that he's been saying about needing more funding, needing more emergency funding, yeah. even the student debt was premised on an argument that you're allowed to provide that kind of relief because you're in an, an emergency. And so he was talking at odds with his own messaging when he said the pandemic was over. Um, clearly, we all hope he's right. We hope the pandemic God is over. Uh, right, right. So the rest of this week, this goes to the House in still like they'll, they'll put it through the Senate back without the permitting bill. That gets the vote, goes to the House. That's this right. is done, right? You're not worried about Friday. I am not worried about Friday. Um, now, there have been too many times where I've said that, and then next thing I've known, we've been in a government shutdown. So there's been many years of anything you're not worried about, you should, probably should worry. But I am truly not worried about Friday. We are not going to have a shutdown. There sure. is a midterm election that everybody wants to get back to where right. they need to be and campaign really, really hard. Yeah. So I think this week is kind of an easygoing week um, uh, relative to normal, which is nothing's easygoing. But I think how different is that going to be in December, knowing that it will be informed, of course, by the results of the midterms? Yeah, no, all eyes on December. Seriously, there are so many different things that I could imagine they will be putting into an end of the year package. Um, Various different expiring tax cuts the Republicans want, child tax credit the Democrats have talked about, various interest groups, physician payment bonuses that are expiring. There's a paygo sequester, like the list of budget things go on. The important thing to know is that the price tag is huge. Mm-hmm. Easily, we're talking $100 billion or more just for one-year costs wow. and closer to a trillion for 10-year costs of the things I am worried they're going to try to stick into this bill. Mm-hmm. So it, it, Now, here's it's a simple ask, but what if we just ask Congress 
not to borrow any more for the rest of this calendar year. Just three months. <laughs> if they wanted to add any bills, and it's just a thought, what if they tried paying for it? Uh well, boy, if we only had more time to talk about deficit reduction, Maya, there's so much where that came from. But I'm curious to see where Kevin McCarthy uh, comes in on a lot of this, particularly if he's on his way to holding the gavel. Great to talk with Maya McGinnis, as always. Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget with us uh, on Bloomberg Sound On. We need to assemble the panel and get their take on this incredible uh, turn of events here as Joe Manchin's energy permitting reform bill is jettisoned before it even got to a vote. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors, weigh in next. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So did Joe Manchin just get served? His energy permitting bill was just axed in the Senate, allowing a government funding bill to move forward. This all unfolding since we have taken air this hour. Let's assemble the panel. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis make up our signature panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors. And how about this, Jeannie? He's been talking about Joe Manchin has been talking about revenge politics for the last week and a half, almost predicting this was going to happen. Has he finally gotten his due for all the build back better business and now this deal that seemed to upset so many members? 
He's got to be very frustrated at this point. I think he felt like over this weekend as he pushed, you know, on the airwaves, in the newspapers, we heard he was dialing, making phone calls. He thought he could maybe get to 60. He obviously realized today he couldn't do it. He wasn't going to stand there and allow the government to be shut down. But a lot of the commentary is going to be this question about whether he got played by Chuck Schumer. And, you know, that's not a position I think Joe Manchin is, uh, you know, found himself in a lot recently. Did Chuck Schumer know when this deal was made that, you know what, this is probably not going to pass, but we're going to make this deal and go ahead with it? Well, you know, I, I've got to imagine that if, you know, Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin, I, I can't understand to the for the life of me why they didn't make the case to liberals that this kind of reform is needed so you could pass green energy, so we can grow green energy. I mean, that's the case to make. And apparently they didn't do that even. So, you know, where does that leave you? They made a deal apparently between a few of them and they didn't have the votes to push it through. Rick Davis, Republicans, as Mitch McConnell said earlier, have claimed to own this issue. This is something that we've been told is a matter of national security, that it's a matter of uh, our own independence here as a nation. Instead of going to bad guys, you know, let's start drilling more domestically. Was this, in fact, revenge politics? Will Republicans simply turn their own version after November? You know, I'm, I think there'll be a different bill uh, after November for sure. And and I would imagine that the vast majority of Republicans will support it. This was brought to really national attention uh, during the summer when uh, President Biden was, you know, assembling all these oil executives and yeah. said, look, you guys need to get, you know, pumping more oil. And they're like, well, you need to give us our permits so that That's we can right. do it. So this was a sort of generational change for, for the industry to try and get this done. And by the way, critically important as 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 um genie says for the climate uh, uh industry uh the the especially nuclear plants which have been held up uh substantially by this lack of permitting reform so yeah it's gonna happen and and i think that the the point that genie's making about they should have sold this harder as a clean energy alternative, mm-hmm. um, you know, but like you can't expect Manchin to do that. He doesn't believe in any of that. So, well, you, you also know, can't sell guy. a secret deal, uh, Rick, and that's what upset so many people to begin with. No, I don't know about that. I mean, there's no? secret deals all the time. I mean, it did it did upset people because I think the the real crux of it was that the Democrats jammed through um, something as uh, 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 I would say arbitrary yeah. as all the sweetheart deals that they got out of the. Uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, and then calling it an Inflation Reduction Act. I would say that's probably what upset Republicans more than anything, because well, it had nothing to do with the inflation reduction. What do you make of the COVID and monkeypox money uh, being left out of this bill, Genie? Is that a fight for another day for this White House, or are they just going to go short-funded through the winter? It looks like they're going to go short-funded, and you know I don't know how they fight for it now. As to your point, the president went on national TV and said the pandemic was over, and then they had yeah. to try to clean that up. So they may try to circle back on that, but I think that's going to be hard, and time is not on their side. And they better hope, as we all do for you know all of our sakes, that the pandemic doesn't get any worse, and, and they find themselves in, in a terribly difficult position in a couple months because of this you know lapse that they've had. Do we revisit this uh, this time, this bit of timing, Rick, if there is, in fact, another strain, another surge in the winter and, and, and people are, are found to be short supplies, vaccines, et cetera? Yeah, I think it'll be even more complex because 
states are sitting on still enormous amounts of money uh, from the initial relief bills uh, yeah. for COVID and uh, billions and billions of dollars for use in mitigating effects of COVID. And, and the ones that are planning properly are stockpiling uh, kits to test and are they're going to have cash available to buy vaccines. And, 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 and so I think those that aren't and are using those funds for other things are, are more likely to be caught short. And sadly, that runs along partisan lines. So um, I think that it's going to exacerbate our political divide uh, if, if we do have a, another surge in COVID. Yeah, and you can almost write it in advance. Um, we've been through this enough times. I wonder what you both think in our remaining time about what we're headed for in December. This is going to go through December 16th after the midterms. And Maya McGinnis's tone uh, is one that many share in Washington. What kind of a standoff is this going to be, Jeannie? Are we going to actually talk about a shutdown? I think we will be there again. And I was just looking at the GAO. Congress has issued CRs in 43 of the last 46 fiscal years. Talk wow. about an F minus wow. in terms of their ability to do the basic job they were sent there to do. You want to know why people are frustrated with government? That's a good example. And I think we will be facing a really tough battle in December. I know you love that whole uh, story here, Rick, but what's December look like? Well, I'm glad I'm not in her class because I'd probably get an F. <laughs> I would not fail you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> but, but look, I mean, it's only going to be hard if we actually have some fiscal restraint. Like Maya's point is if you actually tighten the belt and don't create new debt, yeah. then, then it's going to be hard choices. But this is a sp- spending-free Congress. I mean, you know, and it's not going to be held up by the administration. Yeah. So who's going to govern this? We have a lot of people with points to prove after the elections. Rick and Jeannie, our signature panel with us. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. It's the fastest hour in politics. Bloomberg Sound on. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Quite the reveal today by CNN. It was supposed to be, I'm assuming, part of uh, this January 6th uh, committee hearing tomorrow. We don't ever really know what they're going to do in these hearings, but that's the report. A clips from Roger Stone. Uh, that was filmed for a documentary months before the election, not before January 6th, before the election. It brings us back to July. He's in a hotel room uh, here in Washington talking about his approach, his plans, had to bleep out some of the words for this looming election, remembering that Donald Trump was behind in the polls at that point. Listen to Roger Stone. What they're assuming is that the election will be normal. The election will not be normal. Oh, these are the California results? Sorry, we're not accepting them. We're challenging them in court. If the electors show up at the, at the Electoral College, armed guards will throw them out. I'm the president. F*** you. You're not stealing Florida. You're not stealing Ohio. I'm challenging all of it. And the judges we're going to are judges I appointed. F*** you. You're not stealing the election. That's, what, that's basically what Bush did to Gore. Well, I'm not so sure about that. But revealing how to stop the steal would work. If they want to run a bunch of fake ballots, we'll have an investigation. We'll say these ballots are fake. Your results are invalidated. Goodbye. That's the way it's going to have to work. It's going to be really nasty. But you cannot count on, we're not going to get an honest election. So let's say that Trump is a little behind right now, which he probably is. That doesn't bother me. But even if he wins an honest election, we're not going to have an honest election. They're going to steal it. They're stealing this blind in Florida right now. Incredible. Uh, Stone released a statement, by the way, challenging the accuracy and authenticity of the video. Uh, Go look at it yourself. 
He's right there talking in the hotel room on camera. But it brings us to a remarkable piece of journalism uh, by Bloomberg and something that really got our attention today that we wanted to focus on on the broadcast here. Our election denier tracker, the U.S. Election Risk Index, a team of journalists here at Bloomberg, uh, set to find out which states are most vulnerable to election interference. As we look ahead to 2024 here, right? These guys, I can't imagine how much time they spent on this as they went through laws in all 50 states. And as I read here on the terminal, you can look at this with a remarkable cross-section of data and graphics uh, that they cooked this down to five U.S. states that will decide if the election can be stolen in 2024. And joining us from our Washington Bureau to talk a little bit more about it is Bloomberg News National Politics reporter Ryan Teague Beckwith. Ryan, congrats. First of all, I know you've got more coming on this, an update coming on this, but congrats on this monster piece of journalism. Thanks. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of work to go through uh, not just all the laws that have changed since uh, 2020, but uh, also all the bills that have been proposed. And there were uh, yep. it was a huge jump in the number of bills that were proposed. Yeah. In the last two years, you write, Republicans have sought to remove state officials who would not manufacture votes and falsely declare him the winner. Uh, they changed the way elections are run in response to his conspiracy theories. They've nominated people who insist Trump won as candidates for U.S. Congress and governor for offices that certify the outcome. That's the key there. Uh, and as you dug into this, I was kind of amazed to find uh, that, that your takeaway is basically everything's going to be fine. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, my takeaway was that the people are much more important to watch than the laws. Um, we went into this. Uh, early in the process when there were still a lot of bills out there that would have dramatically changed how elections were certified. And I have to say that most of the bills that were the most concerning didn't end up uh, going anywhere um, and that uh, actually it's easier to vote in a lot of the parts of the country than it was before. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a great thing that there were bills that were clearly inspired by conspiracy theories about the 2020 election. Um, but when we looked at how those bills actually worked, like a lot of them were relatively harmless, like they either wouldn't do much or might actually not be that bad of an idea. And as an example, one of Trump's theories was that, you know, Nest thermostats and Italian satellites were changing <laughs> votes on uh, voting machines. Um, and you so several that down. Yeah, several states passed bills that mandated that voting machines can't be connected to the Internet, and they were clearly responding to that theory. Now, there's no evidence for that theory. Most voting machines are not connected to the Internet. Um, but that said, like, there's not really any harm in passing a law saying that they shouldn't be. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really see the problem with that. I don't, I don't think it's great, like, where those bills were coming from or why they were passed, but, like, ultimately fairly harmless. And I think a lot of the other changes that we found, there were restrictions to bills and, and they were sort of quibbling around the edges. Nobody really wants to upend the apple cart, especially yeah. when you consider that most of the people voting in these bills were elected under these laws. There were three bills that I saw that were con uh, concerning. Um, one was in Florida where the governor now has an election police force that reports directly to him. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's problematic. Yeah. Um, where was Georgia, that again? In Florida, uh, yeah. Governor Ron DeSantis. And, and oh, he used God, that. okay that law uh, just before the primary when he well, announced Well, Ryan, let's look at, just so people understand, the five states we're talking about here, right? Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, Wisconsin, 
Impossible Republican win in Pennsylvania will determine, as you write, who's in charge of making election decisions in states where the White House has won or lost. Uh, so with, with that said, it's going to depend a lot on what happens in the midterm elections before you can really make a judgment on 2024. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really watching closely, like governors, the governor's race in Pennsylvania. Um, Doug Mastriano, the Republican nominee there, was heavily involved in Trump's efforts to overturn his loss mm-hmm. in 2020, and he's promised to appoint an election denier, a Secretary of State, to throw out all of the state's voter registrations, to decertify all of the voting machines. Um, there's a lot of chaos that he could uh, create if he wins. He's currently down in the polls, but it's close. Uh, you know, he could win there. Arizona is the other state I'm really watching closely because yep. the governor, secretary of state, attorney general, and Senate candidate there all are really strong election deniers. One of them even ran an ad that just began with, like, I think Donald Trump won in 2020. So that state has become a real locus of uh, these efforts. Fascinating stuff, and I really encourage everybody to go find it uh, on the terminal. The five U.S. states that will decide if the 2024 election can be stolen. Ryan Teague Beckwith, thank you so much. And come back uh, when the update hits the terminal. We're going to have a lot more data to share because, hey, you don't have to hear it from me, but this is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. There will be no January 6th committee hearing tomorrow. If we didn't have a chance to mention that, it was postponed. Not sure actually until when, but they're not holding this hearing in the House. It was not going to be prime time. It was going to be midday, one o'clock. And I think the concern was split screen uh, with the hurricane, of course. That That is specifically why uh, the January 6th committee put this on hold. 
Interesting unknown when it will happen, uh, feasibly ever closer to the midterm elections. Let's reassemble the panel. Jeannie Shanzano is back with Rick Davis, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Rick, when I heard about this uh, today, when I saw the tweet from the Jan 6 committee, I thought about you running a convention for the Republican Party uh, just as a hurricane was about to hit, I believe, New Orleans. And you were faced with a decision like that. Do you think they did the right thing? Sure. Um, same thing we did. Uh, we postponed the first day of a national convention. I mean, who Incredible. wants to give away a, a full night of free media and uh, the <laughs> celebration and excitement with 25,000 people? You know, but uh, the reality is that it, you, you cannot distract the country's focus when a place like Florida or New Orleans or anywhere else mm-hmm. uh, is under siege by nature. And uh, and so. I think we made the right decision. I think it all worked out fine. But, um, you know, unfortunately, these things are unpredictable. And I think they've done the right thing. But uh, anybody who thinks they can blow through a hurricane is uh, uh, of questionable sanity. Yeah. And of course, you know, this wasn't a celebration like uh, a convention, Jeannie. This was actually going to be a serious, obviously a serious news event, one that Republicans call a political exercise. But they'll be criticized for doing this closer to November, will they not? They may face that, but they absolutely made the right decision. It would be in in very poor taste, amongst other things, for them to try to do this tomorrow in the midst of what looks to be a a potentially massive hurricane Mm. bearing down in the southern part of the country. So they made the right decision. Whether they get criticism or blowback from that, they're going to have to deal with that, and they'll rightly be able to point to the reasons that they did this. Blowback from Roger Stone. You might have heard his remarks a little bit earlier uh, released by CNN that were filmed by a documentary crew months before the 2020 election. He says the film is not accurate. He's challenging the authenticity of the video. But the, here, here's a taste again of what he said months before people went to vote. If they want to run a bunch of fake ballots, we'll have an investigation. We'll say these ballots are fake. Yep. Your results are invalidated. Goodbye. That's the way it's going to have to look. Wow. It's going to be really nasty. Wow. But you cannot count on, we're not going to get an honest election. Right. So let's say that Trump is a little behind right now, which he probably is. That doesn't bother me. But even if he wins an honest election, we're not going to have an honest oh, election. Got it. They're going to steal it. They're stealing this blind in Florida right now. How does this inform the investigation, Rick, the idea that this conversation was happening over the summer uh, in terms of the January 6th committee wrapping this investigation once and for all? Well, we heard it uh, first from Donald Trump on the stump. Uh, He was claiming he was going to get stolen throughout the course of the last month of the campaign. So uh, he was just predicting the future and I think predicting based on a plan that they had. I mean, Roger Stone has been around a lot of campaigns and mm-hmm. he's had issues with ballot security and other things that he's pushed the limits to uh, in the past. And it does not shock me, does not surprise me uh, that that he would be shooting his mouth off right before an election with the camera crew. He gets kind of crazy in front of cameras. And so um, uh, I just think this is declaring the obvious. I mean, for anybody who didn't think this is what they were thinking, uh, I think that they mis- misread what Donald Trump was telling them all through the last Boy. couple months of the election. To be saying out loud, though, Jeannie, it's almost like he was kind of going through this in his own mind. Uh, you know, the elevator pitch for the president here, uh, the, the election will be decided in the courts. This will not be an honest election. Uh, the idea of using fake electors, this went way back. 
It did. And the stunning part to me, and, and you played part of this clip, is that this is ex- what he's talking about is exactly what happened. Donald Trump was behind and he lays out verbatim, exa- you know, prior, obviously, to the election, exactly what happened in the aftermath when Donald Trump lost the election. And it's really chilling is the word that comes to mind. And whether he claims that the tape was doctored or not, precisely what they capture him as saying is exactly what the country and the world ended up witnessing. And so, uh, you know, it's not surprising that January 6th committee is going to use this, which we we understand they will. Mm -hmm. And it's not surprising he's calling foul at this point. Well, I don't know how this factors into the Department of Justice investigation at the same time here, Rick, but I feel like we should be paying attention to whatever extent we can. And they're not telling us a lot, but that's where uh, the rubber meets the road here, right? Once the January 6th committee is done, We'll get the final report. I don't know that there'll be any bombshells in there, any October surprises, obviously, uh, or we wouldn't call it that. But it it strikes me that their work is about complete, that we have a sense of what they learned. Am I right? Uh, Yeah, I think that uh, this is more of a summation than anything, although I would think that they might want to focus in a little bit more on Roger Stone, who hasn't gotten much attention by Mm. the January 6th committee. So he's the closer. But uh, he certainly put himself in that place today, and I think that that kind of sews together so much of the point they're trying to make, which is this was a plan. It was executed after the election, and it was meant to try and overturn a legitimate election. And so, wow, uh, Roger, you know, you did a good job of writing the postscript to a January 6th uh, uh, committee meeting. Uh, Unintended consequences are hell sometimes. Quite, Quite remarkable. Uh, There was another CNN report, Jeannie, that a phone call uh, was intercepted here uh, by investigators, a phone call from a White House phone number to an individual who was inside the U.S. Capitol. One of the quote unquote rioters. I don't know what he was doing there, but he was at the Capitol and and a call that lasted less than 10 seconds was was made to that cell phone. There are answers to questions like these that could advance this investigation, it seems to me. Do you think we'll find out what that was? I think we may get more information. I mean, since this came out on Sunday as a result of this book that is coming out by Denver Riggleman, um, we have learned a bit more. We've learned, you know, the caller was, as you mentioned, somebody who was at the Capitol and a somebody from New York. And so I think we may start to hear a little bit more. It's unclear whether we will in the hearings themselves or not. But I think the real question here about both the call and Roger Stone, we know Roger Stone is connected to these extremist groups. The question in both cases is going to be, can they connect it to the former president? Can they tie these extremist groups vis-a-vis Roger Stone or these phone calls that were being made from the White House to people on the ground at the Capitol to the president? Because that would be critical if you're talking about something like a criminal referral to the Justice Department from the January 6th committee, which, of course, we don't know yet whether they're going to make or not. We'll give this a minute to breathe before we start naming names, but they did trace that call. uh, And, you know, it's not too hard to do that these days. I suspect we'll be hearing more about it. Rick and Jeannie with us here on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. And as ever, when we start talking about government and the doings in Washington, that which our government produces, NASA, is again the tonic, the salve. For our problems. You heard about the DART mission. This is where we ended yesterday. Man, they smacked that thing right into not an asteroid, by the way. Don't call it an asteroid. I learned this. You know, you might call it affectionately a space rock, but it's a moonlet. 
I don't know if you guys knew that. It's a moonlet. 6.8 million miles away from Earth. And the test, my God, let's get in the control room right now, just as the dart was about to hit the moonlet. Oh, wow. Just listen to the elation in the control room. Oh, my goodness. They're getting close. They're looking at the video. Wow. Four. Three. Well, not quite. What? Well, hang on, not quite. It's getting closer. Yes, they see boulders. They can make out the surface. It really is incredible. We're watching this in real time. Seven million miles away. And we have impact. Yes, we do. They say, in case you're keeping score, Humanity One Asteroid Zero should say Moonlet, a NASA spokesperson said during the live stream after the impact. Rick, I know you love this stuff as much as I do. It is one of the few things we can say that the government is doing without controversy. And they're actually, in this case, protecting humankind. Yeah, I'm here to name names, and it's not a moonlet, it's Dimorphos. That's Dimorphos very good. was Thank hit. You, Rick. And and NASA calls it dimorphous. I'm yes. calling it dimorphous. And it does so have a name. I think it's wonderful that we've named the moonlet that we just hit with a spacecraft to get it out of trajectory. <laughs> it's going to take us a week to know. That's right. Is that thing moved? But I must admit, the only thing that was lacking by that clip was a nice swell of the orchestra in the background <laughs> as we say goodbye to That's the right. uh, dimorphous. Goodbye, um, no, dimorphous. I think it's wonderful stuff that we have. Uh, people who actually spend the time and money to uh, to create these opportunities. I mean, it's just what you always wanted from NASA, right? Thinking up these Absolutely. things and, and executing them flawlessly. Uh, well God, done, NASA. Is, yes, and this is real stuff, Jeannie. I mean, to think that they could save the planet someday uh, and people take that for granted. We'll remember when this crazy thing went up and people thought it was, it was a crazy idea, but it, it will take some time. All they have to do is nudge it, though, Jeannie. They don't have to throw this thing into outer space. Just nudge it out of the way. Yeah, and they did it all without Ben Affleck, which was stunning. And I, in honor of you and, and Rick, I did watch it live last night, and it was <laughs> fascinating. Oh, I agree with Rick. They could have used some music like you always do the music, Joe. You should go right. help NASA yes. do they the music. The Aerosmith. It, it, but what's stunning, to your point, is we can, or not we, NASA can move and hit, blow up a spaceship potentially move an asteroid off of its orbit and we can't get Congress to cast past a budget on time. It's stunning. You're here. Jeannie Shanzano, well said, and Rick Davis, our signature panel. Look at the image of this thing. You can count the rocks on Dimorph... Is it Dimorphous? Yeah. Wait, Matt, those are your car keys. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.